0: This is Listen Lakeland, the show that keeps you up to date on all the things that make our city a great place to live, work, and play. Today's host is a former hospital administrator and currently a healthcare consultant in operations, strategy, and facility planning. She's also served on a number of city and non-profit agency boards in the Lakeland and Tampa Bay area, and currently is the chair of Lakeland Vision. Please welcome your host, Carol Phillipson.
1: Welcome to the good life. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Carol Phillipson, and it's great to be hosting this month's episode of Listen Lakeland. The show is an extension of Lakeland Vision. For over two decades, Lakeland Vision has been a voice for the citizens of Lakeland, working with community stakeholders to create a bright future for our city. Today on Lakeland Listen, we are going to be talking about one of our community-driven, focus areas, strong and safe neighborhoods. Lakeland will have neighborhoods where residents enjoy their quality of life, and we will have effective law enforcement with community-based crime prevention activities to ensure safe schools, neighborhoods, and streets. Today, we have with us Chief Sam Taylor, Chief of the Lakeland Police Department. Welcome, Chief Taylor.
0: Hello. Thanks for having me.
1: And Chief Taylor has been in law enforcement for more than 33 years and has been with the department since 1989. During his tenure, he has worked or supervised almost every division within the agency. He was hired in February of 1989 and promoted to sergeant in 1997, where he supervised officers in the Uniformed Patrol Division and the Criminal, criminal Investigations Division. He was promoted to lieutenant in December of 2002 and has served as a lieutenant in the Uniform Patrol Division, 911 Emergency Communications, and the Criminal Investigations Division. In 2015, Sam was promoted to captain, overseeing the Special Operations Division, and then transferred to supervising the Investigative Services Division. In 2019, Sam was promoted to the rank of Assistant Chief. As assistant chief, he provided direction for the Special Services Bureau responsible for personnel and services, including SWAT, the K-9 unit, school resource officers, DUI enforcement, red light cameras, crime prevention, 9-11 communications, planning and research, recruiting and training, before transferring to oversee the Criminal Investigation Bureau. On December 1st of 2022, Manager Sean Strauss officially appointed Sam as the police chief for the Lakeland Police Department. During his career, Chief Taylor has been selected for leadership positions or served as representative on multi-jurisdictional task forces, including with the FBI, FDLE, and the State Attorney's Office. Chief Taylor graduated from Polk Community College in 1981 with an AA degree in the University of South Florida in December of 1993 with a BA in Criminal Justice. He received his Master of Public Administration with a concentration in National Security Issues from Troy State University in December of 2002. Chief Taylor continued on to complete the Certified Public Manager course and received the CPM designation from Florida State University in 2009. He is also a 2011 graduate of the Southern Police Institute at the University of Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky, and a graduate of the Police Executive Research Forum Senior Management Institute for Police at Boston University. Quite a resume.
0: Every time welcome. I hear that, I think, uh, who is that guy? Because I don't remember doing half of that stuff. But uh, we probably need to uh, to cut that way down, because so, I'm really not that interesting. So,
1: Well, welcome.
0: <laughs> yes, ma'am. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be here.
1: So what changes have you seen in your long career with Lakeland Police Department?
0: We've experienced quite a few changes in my close to 35 years now. Um, I uh, When I started, uh, we were handwriting reports. So we've come from a situation where we were handwriting reports and had to carry a small uh, dictionary. And in fact, I found that dictionary that I used to carry with me at the time when I was a 26-year-old police officer. Um, when we wrote the report to check your, your um, spelling to make sure that uh, the spelling was correct, because if it wasn't, the sergeant would send it back to you. And when I opened that little small dictionary, I had no chance of reading any of those words in there because it was so small. And I, I remember thinking to myself, how in the world did I read this at 3 o'clock in the morning, um, and now I can't even pick out a word. So uh, I guess that comes with age. But uh, obviously the technology is the biggest thing that uh, has moved not only the Lakeland Police Department, but but all law enforcement forward. Um, and it's become a force multiplier force. And uh, I'll be happy to go into a lot of the details and, and the things that we've um been able to improve here at the Lakeland Police Department with the help of the citizens and, and the taxpayers here in Lakeland.
1: How do you think your first year has gone? What it's, are some of the highlights?
0: Yeah, it's been interesting. the uh, The first year, um, as uh, as you you mentioned in your opening, there, I, I took the job December first, and um, I've worked at every single um, position in the police department, worked and or supervised uh, every every position in the police department. So I kind of had a really good working knowledge. I actually started in. 84 and 85 as an auxiliary officer back then we still had uh, Revolvers we weren't even carrying semi-automatic weapons, and that's when we were handwriting reports And if you made a mistake you got ripped up and you had to start all over there was no Delete or backspace or spell check as I said, so um, The first year we've we've experienced a lot of uh, change. Um, We've implemented uh, Body cameras as everyone has has, uh, your audience has read about Um, We've we've implemented quite a bit of technology uh, upgrades with our report writer, um, our records management system, our computer-aided dispatch system, every officer's now been given an uh, iPhone, so they can, when they go to the scene, they can take a photograph. People can send us uh, ring doorbell cameras or security footage directly to the officers on the scene, and that has uh, been really a force multiplier for us. But between the technology stuff that uh, that we've we've implemented, um, the uh the different events that have gone on within the city of Lakeland um, to include some some outside people that agitators that have come in, like the Nazi protesters. Everyone remembers talking about that, and and none of those people were from Lakeland. That's that's what I emphasize every time I talk about that. These people were from Jacksonville, and some of them not even from Florida, from Arizona. Um, so that's um, that was interesting to deal with because in my tenure, in my thirty-five years here, we've never had anything like that. So. Um, right out of the box, we were dealing with that, um, dealing with the lady that that uh, you know drove her children under the lake at Lake Wire, you know, right after Christmas. So that was a tragedy that we had to deal with. So it's been a uh, it's been an interesting year and uh, things that uh, you know I, I, I talk with Ruben Garcia, the former chief, the, um, and and tell him that I, I believe I've held more press conferences with the sheriff and U.S. attorneys and all the alphabet agencies, the FBI and DEA, and uh, probably. Uh, eight or eight or nine months than he did in almost four and a half years as the police chief and he just kind of laughs and says yeah tough break so <laughs> uh, and walks off but uh but but it's been interesting it's been fun i still enjoy it i i love it to death i i i say quite a bit that i still skip to work every day um i've been doing it a long time but it, but you know the, the resume you read is something but it's at the end of the day it's not about me it's about the men and women that are you know putting on that uniform every day and going out and and handling the calls and standing on the, um, the line between good and evil every single night at two or three o'clock in the morning, three hundred sixty-five days of the year. So they're the, they're the ones that deserve all the credit,
1: not me. Thank you. Going back to the body cameras, can you give any anecdotal success stories of where they have helped?
0: Sure. I, been- I <clears throat> we uh, we've had a uh, several uh, uh, positive outcomes with it. Certainly, they've helped. And the transparency part of it, you know, when citizens come in and feel like that maybe they haven't been uh, spoken to as as the way that they felt like they should have been spoken to or handled the way they were handled, maybe they're not complaining about the ticket, they're just complaining about the officer's attitude. It's very simple just to throw the video in. The supervisor can look at it. He can determine if there's any policy violations. um, And we can actually show the video to the citizen and say, well, you know, you said the officer cursed at you. Nowhere did they curse. (laughs) And then a lot of times they'll think, well, okay, And, and so... Uh, we've actually solved some crimes with it We had an incident where a officer stopped the vehicle for a tag that uh, was expired as he walked up to the vehicle uh, he had his body camera on the driver rolled the window down Had a brief conversation with the driver and the driver took off and by the time the officer could get back to his car and He, he lost him but through investigative means because we had his photograph on the body camera We were able to pull the photograph up. We identified him went right to his house there The car sat, he was inside. He actually had a felony warrant, so that would, before the video cameras, that would have been someone that would have gotten away. So, because this the officer that stopped him had no idea who that was, so the tag was not not his car, not his uh, not his vehicle. So, that's a success story. And you know, we have quite a few. I don't want to take up all your time, I could go down a whole uh, litany of success story. Sure, go ahead. I, we've uh, <laughs> we uh, we are constantly uh, when the officers have uh, video uh, brand new uh, cameras in every single marked patrol car and they're also license plate readers so before when an officer wanted to run a tag they they had to reach over to their computer and type the type it in Um, now that's taking place uh, organically behind the scene the camera is automatically running the tag it's running the registered owner it's running a wants and warrants check it's running a driver's license check all of those things are going on and the officer doesn't have to take his focus away from the front windshield and, and what he's doing and how they're and how they're driving the vehicle. And then an alert will pop up on the computer. So um, that's been a big benefit to us. There's also video that are in the in the back of the vehicles now with these new systems and they record the prisoner that's in the back if we're transporting someone to the county jail. So if we get to the county jail and they've got a busted lip and they didn't have one before and they say, well the officer pulled off to the side of the road and hit me, well we just, you know, as they say, go to the video. And if the video shows, a lot of times uh, they will take their head and they'll headbutt something, and so they injure themselves, and it's very obvious what happened. Before it would just been the officer's word that hey, look, I didn't stop the guy, you know, our gal headbutted themselves. They were, and you know, we would have to have an investigation. Now it's really simple; it's a really short investigation. So, So those things are really good.
1: So with these videos, it really allows you to document. to show what really happened
0: yeah and i would and it it certainly makes the prosecution of cases easier um uh, the video you know it's we're in a a digital age now where we're you know juries like to see video evidence because right they see it on tv so crimes are solved within like 38 40 minutes of a one-hour show right so with dna and everything else so if we can throw video and Put on the actions of the officer and the actions of the person that, that, that is charged, it's it's really informative and it really helps the juries, I think. And I think it helps the uh, the prosecution of the cases and helps the uh, state attorney make decisions of whether they want to proceed forward with a, a case based on the video or not. And uh, so I think it's been been helpful in that regard, too. And a lot of the smaller agencies now have gone to video cameras as well. So they've implemented the same type systems, the same type of video, um, so I think like I said, other than the cost, you know, that's really the only prohibitive thing, and the cost comes from the storage.
1: So all that video is is stored, depending on what it is.
0: Yes, ma'am. And Evidence dot com it's uh, is the company that we use, and and there the there are several different companies out there that have different systems. We decided to go with the uh, the biggest company uh, on the block, uh, which is Axon, and it's a uh, they make the entire suite. So they make the video cameras that are in the cars. Uh, they make the uh, the uh, body cameras. They make the cameras that are in our interview rooms that the detectives use. So we interview, we record all those videos. Now, when I started, when I was a detective, we did not videotape interviews. They were just audio taped. Um, But now they're video and audio taped again. So the juries can see, you know, they don't have to take the detective's word that the guy confessed or throw a videotape in or an audio tape, just a cassette tape that the the person confessed. Well, here's the video right here. You, you know, judge yourself. Yeah, you can see yourself. So it's been very helpful.
1: Well, going back to the license plate readers, what happens if an alert pops up?
0: Depending on what the uh, the violation would be, if it's uh, an alert that it'll come up that the uh, the registered owner, if owner is the driver, has an expired license or expired uh, uh, that doesn't have any driver's license or they have a warrant out of, out of so it's also running the warrants and wants a warrant check. Um, so all that stuff is going on in the back. The officer then would have probable cause to stop the car and get the driver out. Now, the owner of the vehicle may not be the driver. Maybe it's his daughter, or it's a wife, or a you know, relative, and so that's very easily determined. You know, so if that's not the person, then but if it is the person, then they get to go to jail. So uh, we also got new tasers. I, I didn't, I, I neglected to mention too. We also, um, as part of this suite and this program, upgraded to ta- uh, to Axon's latest Taser as well. So, um, and the the video cameras come on, not only in the vehicles, but. I don't want to get too far in the weeds about the video camera, but uh, let's say there's a group of officers standing around um, and handling a call and one officer uh, either takes his taser out because he sees something that the other officers don't, don't see or one officer pulls a weapon out because he sees something the other officers, as soon as he does that every single officer's video camera automatically activates. So we're getting a perspective from different uh, getting a video from different perspectives. Um, the only difference, downside if there is a downside of the videos it's just two-dimensional right it gives you you know uh, uh length and width it doesn't give you any depth right there's no so if the officer as i'm looking at you straightforward the camera is in the middle of my chest but if i turn my head sideways and look over here it's not seeing what i'm seeing because it's still it's straight still straightforward right i have to turn my entire torso so there are some drawbacks on it um but I think the officers overall have, uh, have embraced it. We, we have a different generation of police officers now. They're younger. They're used to playing video games. Um, they were a little, I don't want to use the word apprehensive, but, you know, they were just a little bit standoffish about it because they didn't, you know, think of any profession. You know, if we were to start, to, okay, now you get to wear a camera all day long, you know, whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or any job, you know, you're going to wear a camera all day long and you're going to be subject to, you know, people looking at your you know, what you did all day long. So that's what we were asking these guys and gals to do. But uh, at the end of the day, I think now most of them, and and by most, I mean ninety plus percent, would not go out on the street without them because they see the benefit of how it's protected them in the long run, and and that's that's due to the mayor and, and the commissioners and and uh, the citizens, you know, footing the bill because this wouldn't happen without their. You know, um, having the vision to move forward on that because it wasn't something that we were asking for. It wasn't something that the police department had gone to the commission or the uh, the mayor and asked for. It was uh, something that was organic uh, from the from the community.
1: There was also a recent article about changes to the police car design. Can you give some history on that? And where where when when are we going to see the new police car? Sure.
0: Um, the <clears throat> the police cars were uh, were uh, originally when I started, they were green and white. Um, And a lot of people don't remember that, but, but, well, they were originally white. When I started, they were green and white. Um, And then uh, the uh, Florida legislature passed a law where, you know, the the local police agencies could not be green or white. Only sheriff's office in in each county could be green or white. So we had to pick another color. We went with a blue uniform. So we have deep dark Navy blue uniforms. And then our time, our cars were white with just a blue stripe. Uh, Our current, Uh, alignment on our vehicles is black and white kind of mirrors the lapd look the problem with that if there is a problem is the you cannot buy a black and white car from from general motors ford or dodge Uh, so you have to buy a black car and paint the doors white or you have to buy a white car and paint the front and back fenders black Uh, each one of each time you do that it's about three thousand dollars um, and just talking with assistant chief Lehman, he's like, you know, Hey, look, we can save $3,000 if, uh, per vehicle now, if, and we have you know, quite a big fleet. Um, if we just go with either all black or all white. And I said, well, then let's redesign the car let's go with all black or all white. If we can save $3,000 per car, then let's do that. So, um, he said, all right. So we started coming up with some designs with the help of Robin Tillett and all of her folks in the, in the design department and the, and the information folks and the communication folks at Lakeland, uh, at the police department. And we went through probably, I don't know, six or seven or eight different variations, uh, until we landed on what we felt like was a pretty good design. It was pretty clean. It was pretty basic. Uh, took the big swoop out of it. The swoop had a tendency that the swish or swoop or whatever you want to call it on the side of the vehicle, um, had a tendency to wash out in the Florida sun. It, it, it bleached out. So we knew we wanted to get rid of that. Um, So we had a design that worked really good with white vehicles. And so we had pretty well determined we were going to go with white, you know, Florida sun. It's it's hot, you know, dark colors show uh, dirt. Um, And then we got a phone call from our dealer that we buy our vehicles from on state contract. And he said, hey, we've got 30-plus Tahoes that a uh, department in Georgia um, had had a contract to sign. But because of COVID and everything else, they're not going to be able to buy them. Um, so if you want them, I got them right here on the lot. So Hans came to me and said, hey, we got this call. He said, the only problem is they're all black. And I said, well, then I guess we're going with black. So we bought the vehicles at a pretty big discount and and bought them ahead. And uh, we changed our design a little bit to where it would fit better on the black car. So we have about seven of them have rolled out now. You just start seeing them out in the, in the neighborhoods rolling around. Um, there are... Probably take us five to six years because you're going to see a transition. We're not going to go get a car that we just put in service last year that's fairly new and bring it back in and, and change the graphics on it. That car is just going to stay you know, black and white. But uh, you should see about, and they're mostly assigned to the school resource officers now, and I've seen two or three of them rolling around. So it's about $3,000, and that's a long-winded way of uh, answering your question. But So but they're not going to have trigger. white doors? They're not going to have white doors. They're going to be totally black in the uh The police on the side is like a uh, silverish, it stands off against the black and then it's outlined in like a dark blue or a a blue that's highlighted or or you'll see them. It's very obvious that uh, that it's a police.
1: Switching to another subject, accidental calls to 911. Right. I know people have watches and iPhones and things that you don't really realize are dialing 911. Sure. Can you talk about the number of calls, the approximate number of calls that you get and what someone should do if they accidentally dial 911?
0: That happens more than, than more often than what you would think between kids playing on the phone uh, and different things along those lines. Um, we, we take into our call center every year about 173,000 calls, and that was in 2022. Wow. Uh, that's a variation of people asking for directions, people wanting to know what time. The, uh, um, you know, uh, first Friday starts, you know, we're, we're kind of an information. We don't mind those calls. We'll answer those all day long. And it also includes all your 911 calls. But uh, if you inadvertently dial 911, and now with the newer cell phones and newer iPhones, you can just kind of set it up where you push a button on the side and it'll dial 911. If you inadvertently do that, we will call you right back. We will, the number that shows up, it does pop up on our screen. So your phone number, please answer that phone call. Because you'll save us from dispatching. The dispatcher is going to ask you, is everything okay there? This phone dialed 911, and you can say, Yes, I'm sorry. It was my three year old playing on the phone. I must have done it inadvertently. I'm sorry. Everything's good. We won't have to dispatch. But if you don't answer that phone and you don't answer the phone call, um, then we will send an officer out to you and we will find you. And just because you think you're walking around in a park or something, um, we can still find you because it triangulates with the cell tower, so we will know within I think it's five, three or five meters exactly where, where you are. Life. sir. yes, ma'am. So we will find you, and but it but it uh, takes up resources and it takes up time. So uh, that's that's the main thing that I would tell folks listening is that uh, that you know either if we don't call you, please call us back and say, hey, look, I'm sorry, I you know I, I think I dialed nine one one, or I think my my child dialed nine one one inadvertently. So.
1: Or you push the button on your your Apple Watch watch too many times, right? Or
0: something like that happens. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Not that you've ever done that. Not
1: that I've ever done that. Correct. Yes. Speaking of nine one one, the way the system is set up, if all the operators are busy, all the dispatchers are busy, what happens?
0: After a certain number of rings, it rolls over to the sheriff's office. So we have uh, several lines that come in i think it's 10 lines that come into our our comm center uh we're we're what's called a peace app a public safety answering point there's only two in the county um there's us and the sheriff's office and during the hurricanes in 2004 i want to brag a little bit on our comm center and then i'll get to answering your question but uh in 2004 when all the three hurricanes came through the sheriff's office comm center went down they're they're they lost electricity and then their backup generator failed So for about an hour, um, we were dispatching every single 911 call in the entire county. And that's the way the system is designed to have a backup. So if we went down, then the sheriff's office would roll over and they would dispatch our calls as well. So um, the systems are compatible. um, But if we don't answer it within a certain number of rings, 911 call, it rolls over to the sheriff's office and they will answer it. Same with them. If they don't answer it in a certain number of calls, it rolls over to ours. But the sheriff's office dispatches for every smaller agency around um as i said we're one of only two uh, that i'm aware of i know we're a psap that have in polk county that actually have their own 911 centers a lot of people don't know that if uh, you know you work in uh, lake alfred or winter haven or Haines city it's the sheriff's office that are answering their 911 calls not not their local agency but in lakeland the citizens of lakeland if you if you dial 911 or you dial a non-emergency number you're speaking with an uh, employee of the city of lake the lakeland police department here at our police department.
1: So if it goes to the sheriff, if it rolls over to the sheriff's office, do they dispatch from there? They can, or
0: they will, they will, there's a, uh, they have an intercom system that the two, the two dispatch centers work and they'll say, Hey, we've got a 911 call, but yes, they will start dispatching on it and we will start dispatching as well. So that very rarely happens. I I will tell you that the majority of the time we answer, we answer the 911 calls. It's, it's very rare that we don't, especially 911. Now the non-emergency number, if you call Wanting to know what time first Friday starts, that if we don't answer that within a certain number of time, that may roll over. Um, but the nine hundred and eleven calls; these the ladies and, and guys that work up there are pretty good about answering those things.
1: Thank you. On another subject, can you talk about the recent law in Florida on constitutional carry? I know there's been a lot of confusion about that and inter- on the interpretation of what that means.
0: Sure. The uh, it really didn't. Change anything? It it it, all it means is that where before you had to have a, you could go get a permit to carry a a weapon concealed. Now you don't have to get the government's permission to carry a weapon concealed. Is all that means. So there are some benefits to that. I mean, maybe some people don't want to fill out the application. They don't want to go the process and pay the seventy five dollars, and to get the 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 concealed weapons permit. And they don't want to pay the thirty five dollars for the fingerprints and the background check. So you can save that and still carry the weapon concealed. You still have to adhere to every single rule that you had to adhere to before July 1st when the law took effect. You still can't be a convicted felon. You still can't carry it in a bar or a bank or a government building. The same rules apply whether you have a permit or you don't have a permit. So the only thing that changed is, um, as I said, you, can, you, you don't have to have the government's permission to carry it concealed now, provided that you follow, that you... Uh, meet all the criteria before. Now there is some the other downside of not getting concealed weapons permit is if you go to another state, uh, they may not recognize. Um, if you don't have a concealed weapons permit, you may get arrested for carrying it concealed. Uh, if you have a concealed weapons permit, there are states that reciprocate. They have a reciprocal agreement and they will recognize our concealed weapons permit and we will recognize the you know theirs. So that's an interstate agreement that they have. So. That's Citizen, another benefit. Yeah. Yes,
1: citizens really need to be aware of that.
0: Absolutely, it's it's it's. Um, I have mine, uh, and and I don't have to have it, but I do. Um, and um, but I think it's important that uh, that they know that really that there's no difference. They still have to apply uh, adhere to all the same rules.
1: Well, on a totally different subject, on October thirtieth, the. Police Athletic League will be 30 years old. It will. What are the plans for the future?
0: We have big plans for the future. I'm hoping. Um, I was the second executive director of the uh, of Powell when I was a sergeant uh, back in the mid 90s. So I'm very um, a very big proponent of Powell. Um At some point, we would like to build a brand new POW building. Um, We've we're in the process now of working with Parks and Rec trying to identify where that where that's gonna be. Right now we have a PAL building that's office second of in Virginia. We have outgrown that building. We we service probably eight hundred to a thousand kids with our football and cheerleading and archery and fishing and, and everything that we do. Now that we're out of the SRO business um, with the public schools and we're basically just the SROs with the private schools, um, and, and an ability to stay engaged, I think it's vitally important that we uh, we expand our PAL and expand our footprint with PAL. Um, so we would like to build a a standalone Powell building um, that would rival anything that you see in Jacksonville and Tampa and Miami who have had longstanding PAL buildings. We've all, always just uh, uh, kind of piggybacked on top of Parks and Rec, and they've given us an office and let us use facilities here and there. Um, and Bob Donahue and his folks have been outstanding in that regard for the 30-plus years of pal has been in existence. But we want our own standalone building, and so you'll be seeing some more news on that comes coming soon.
1: And that's important for youth engagement because that also helps to lead to safe, strong neighborhoods.
0: Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. And and as I said, with, with us losing our contact, uh, a large part of our contact with them in the schools, then um, we're going to lean heavily into PAL and, and try to, to pump that up even more.
1: One last question. How can the local citizens help prevent crime?
0: Please Look- lock your cars. Lock your cars.
1: Sounds please. like a good tip.
0: That's I, I can't get any more basic than that. Lock your cars. If you do decide to leave your purse in the car, put it in your trunk, hide it underneath the seat, put something over it, but but lock your vehicles and please don't leave your firearms in your car. Please.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for today and giving us this insight into what's going on in the Lakeland Police Department. Thank you for tuning in to Listen Lakeland. Your feedback is valued, and we encourage you to head over to www.LakelandVision.org to participate in our monthly survey related to today's show topic. So welcome to the good life.
0: Oh, oh, oh. Listen, Lakeland is brought to you as a collaborative project between Lakeland Vision, the City of Lakeland, and Hall Communications, a community working together to provide an exceptional quality of life.